This episode of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. And I want to give a special thank you to Bill Rand, who just signed up this week to support us on Patreon. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so now let's get to our show. Wired.com presents The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. And here is your host, David Barr Kirtley. Hello, and welcome to episode 457 of Geek's Guide to the Galaxy. Today on the show, we'll be discussing season one of the Amazon original series Upload, created by Greg Daniels. And this will include spoilers for every episode of the show, so just be aware of that. And I'm joined by three guests. So first up, we've got our producer, John Joseph Adams. He's the editor of Lightspeed Magazine and the series editor of the best American science fiction and fantasy. And he's also edited more than 30 other anthologies. His latest project is the three-volume dystopia triptych, Ignorance is Strength, Burn the Ashes, and Or Else the Light. So, John, welcome back. Always good to be here. The next up, we've got Tobias S. Bakel, making his 14th appearance on the show. He's the author of the Xenowulf series of space adventure novels, the eco-thrillers Arctic Rising and Hurricane Fever, and the Halo novels The Cold Protocol and Envoy. His new novel, The Stranger in the Citadel, will be out in May from Audible.com. So, Toby, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. And also joining us today is Abby Goldsmith, who you may remember from our panel on Isaac Asimov's Foundation back in episode 434. She's a co-host of the Stories for Nerds podcast, and her short fiction has appeared in Escape Pod and Fantasy Magazine. Her Torth series of space opera novels are available now on Wattpad, where they've racked up over 50,000 reads. So, Abby, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me back. Okay, so let's start off with John, and have you tell us what were your expectations going into Upload? Uh, well, I didn't really have any expectations when I originally first started watching it because I, I, I just sort of turned on my Amazon Fire Stick uh, thing that I have plugged in my TV. And it's like it was just in, in you know, the little <laughs> little uh, box on my screen there. And I'm like, oh, what's that? And we just sort of watched the first episode without knowing anything about it. And then once, uh, you know, once the credits are rolling, I saw Greg Daniels and I recognized his name. So, um, but like, I, I wasn't, I don't think I was familiar with any of the, the main cast or anything. So it wasn't like something I'd been um, hyped for. Uh, so I kind of went into it almost completely, basically just not knowing anything about it. Uh, so my expectations were zero because I just blundered <laughs> into it. So when you saw the credits and saw that Greg Daniels was involved, what was your reaction to that? Oh, I know. Very good. I mean, you know, I, I, I've seen every episode of The Office, uh, Parks and Rec, uh, you know, um, uh, I, I, I don't know if I've seen every episode of his other shows, but like, you know, I definitely watched King of the Hill back in the day. And, um, you know, so I'm definitely a Greg Daniels fan. Yeah. Well, he started off apparently writing for Saturday Night Live and The Simpsons. So presumably you haven't seen every episode of those. <laughs> no, that that would be very difficult. Uh, uh, I mean, there definitely are people who have seen every episode of The Simpsons, but um, Saturday Night Live, probably those people are few and far between. Yeah. Uh, he also did Space Force. Did you ever watch oh, that? Oh, oh, no, I didn't realize he did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I like that. Yeah. All right, cool. 
Uh, how about Toby? Uh, expectations going into upload? Zero expectations. I didn't realize that Greg Daniels was the showrunner or writer or creator. I just uh, saw like a brief kind of um, internet ad for it. It looked at the time uh, maybe possibly silly or not that great. I, w- I just didn't know what to take of it. Um, and the premise seemed like it could have been kind of a disaster. And <laughs> I put it on in the back while I was doing like some, you know, balancing the bills or something like that. And about 10 minutes in, I kind of put down my laptop and went, okay, I actually, uh, I'm going <laughs> to pay attention to this because it's, I think it's more interesting than I expected. I think part of the reason I was kind of a little bit unsure what to make of it was that uh, Robbie Amell um, I've only ever seen kind of like as a bit character in random CW episodes of things. And I was like, is he, you know, like, will he be able to carry a whole show on his own? I have no idea. So I just didn't know what to make of it until I sat down and kind of caught a whole episode and went like, I think this is kind of, uh, going to be really interesting, really smart. Yeah. I wasn't, you know, I'm just getting around to watching this now, even though it came out a while ago. And so, yeah, I just saw a trailer or something. I was like, yeah, it looks okay. You know, like it's a science fiction show. I added it to my list of science fiction shows and I was like, oh, maybe I'll watch it if I uh, have time. And, and finally I had time, but, um, yeah, I'm not, I actually, um, you know, I, I didn't know the name Greg Daniels. Uh, I have watched like some of those shows that we were just mentioning to John, but I'm not like a huge, hugely into any of them. Um, and I, the only time, the only way I recognized Robbie Amell is he was the star of this movie called code eight mm-hmm. where, um, it was this, I think it was sort of like a crowdfunded, low budget movie. It was kind of, um, it was like a low budget X-Men kind of. And I remember thinking it was like pretty good for what it was. Um, but I don't, it didn't really stick in my mind that much. And I thought, you know, he, I, I remember him being fine, but not, I, he, nothing about his performance really stuck out to me. Um, so actually I thought he was like, um, much more interesting in this, um, ultimately than, than in that. But yeah, I mean, basically I just, um, you know, it's a science fiction show and you guys all mentioned somehow, you know, having some interest in discussing it. So I thought I would check it out, but yeah, I, I had pretty low expectations going into it. Um, and so how about Abby, what were your expectations going into upload? Yeah. Um, a friend recommended it and I thought the premise sounded like, a normal everyday science fiction trope. So I was a little hesitant and I didn't watch it right away. But um, like you guys said, I mean, once I watched the first episode, I was like, this is actually really good. You know, really funny writing. I mean, I thought they did so much with it. And it, now that you mentioned that the creator came from a Simpsons background, that makes some sense. Yeah. And so like Greg Daniels, yeah, like I said, he got to start on the Simpsons and he actually, I think is pretty good friends with Conan O'Brien and so they kind of like got a lot of their early jobs together, including The Simpsons. And so there, I was just watching a panel where um, where Conan was uh, interviewing the cast and, and and Greg Daniels. And he said, you know, I've known Greg since he was 20. And even back then, he was talking about like, he was just like obsessed with this idea of, of using technology to live forever. And it was all he would ever talk about. Um, so this is something that he's been, you know, sort of thinking about for a long time. And I think like he actually had this sort of like, written as some sort of treatment or pilot or something um, for decades. And so like you say, Abby, it's not like a super groundbreaking concept <laughs> or something, right? This idea of uploading your minds and, and living on inside a virtual reality um, situation is, is a pretty familiar idea in science fiction. I guess that was another reason why I didn't immediately jump into watching the show. Um, but I mean, it's a, it's a cool idea. And I think actually the show ends up doing some kind of interesting things with that. 
Um, but so actually, I think, John, you told me, right, that you would watch the first episode and you're like, oh, this is good. But then you didn't watch anymore. Is that right? Uh, well, no, I mean, we actually we watched the first episode and both Christy and I really liked it. Like, I mean, I uh, I mean, I know I really, really liked it. And I, I was eager to watch more. And I, I felt like that was her impression as well. But then it's like, I don't know what was going on at the time when we watched it. But like. You know, we just never got back to watching it, and it sort of got pushed off of our our home screen, so that it wasn't among the most recent things we'd watched. I think maybe we we're just watching a bunch of different things at the time, um, and uh, so yeah, I, I just feel like it was completely unfair to the show that we watched the one <laughs> and then didn't just immediately watch all of them because once uh, once we decided we were going to do this panel, uh, you know, we we both rewatched the first episode and. Then we just we watched half of the first season on that first night, and then we watched the second half on the next night. So it was like we watched the whole first season in just two days. So, uh, so obviously, uh, <laughs> we didn't have any negative uh, impressions of it. Yeah, well, no, this is a super bingeable show. I mean, it's it's it really yeah. like carries you through, and it's and it's fun. I actually had kind of mixed feelings about the first episode. I mean, I enjoyed it. But I kind of felt like the well, let me just set up the so the premise, as I said, yes, is our, our main character is this guy, Nathan, and he's a uh, he's 27 and he's extraordinarily good looking. He's like a better looking version of Tom Cruise hmm. and uh, is like a young software developer. And this is in the year 2033. And um, after you die, they can you're you know, I guess. Before you die, they can upload your mind and then you can live on in these sort of virtual reality nursing home kind of environments. And he's been creating a but 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 which are sort of, you know, expensive. And so he and a friend have been creating kind of like a free server where where people could live on um, without having to pay these uh, pay all these fees and everything. And so and he has a, a, a girlfriend named Ingrid, who's very. Uh, she's from a wealthy family and is sort of very entitled and uh, controlling uh, and, you know, just off-putting. Uh, <laughs> and he is, um, you know, on his way home from the store or something and his self-driving car has a malfunction and crashes, uh, you know, uh, injuring him very seriously. And he is persuaded by his girlfriend to have his mind uploaded into a into a VR environment. Um and so that's kind of the most of what happens in the first episode. Um, and so I guess like the, the thing that I had sort of, and, and so the, actually I'll say the, the, what I really liked initially was the, was a lot of the, the background details of this world of this, this future of 2033. So like there's this um, bicycle kind of like self-driving bicycle. That's like a lift, you know, L Y F T um, bicycle where, you know, you um, summit it on your, on your phone and then it, the bicycle rides up and you get on it and you ride it to your destination and then it rides off. So stuff like that, I thought was really good. Um, so I guess let's just start off with, with that. Is there anything else about this, um, this future environment that really um, jumped out at people uh, either good or bad? Uh, so Toby, what do you think about that? Um, you know, they did some basic kind of futurism, but what I was really, uh, when I really started getting into the show was um you know, the, the preview I saw kind of made it very jokey. It's about like, you know, how virtual reality um, doesn't like, you know, the way corporations monetize everything. So it's like, you know, uh, since we had, you know, if you've ever grinded it out on an MMORPG, mm -hmm. you know how much they try to monetize just the smallest things. And, you know, it seems like all the software I download now is like on a subscription. You can't just buy something and have it. And 
they take a lot of that and 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 use the idea of like the virtual reality afterlife to uh, poke fun at those. Um, and I, I thought it was mainly going to be a sitcom, but what was really interesting was how fast the writers, to their credit, begin to take a lot of this and examine um, the impact of technology on our lives. You know, today, like the best of science fiction, it's really about you know the stuff that we're dealing with today. So very very quickly, the idea of just you know. Um, those microtransactions um, begin to sort of like make basically what looks like a heavenly afterlife start to become annoying. And um, it starts to immediately, even in the second episode, begin to lock them into certain, you know, uh, problem paths, uh, which I thought was just really interesting. Um, the way they just kept spitting out all of the different problems, even though the core idea sounds like, you know, we've all heard about people getting uploaded and we all know how like people can use the upload world to kind of live their fantasies. But it was really quickly, interestingly, how the virtual world becomes a world with consequences and problems and issues that the character has to kind of navigate right off the bat. Yeah, I, I think if this show has kind of a high concept, it's that is that, you know, in the contemporary world that these uh, tech companies kind of control, like they always know what we're doing and they're controlling every aspect of our lives. And then in this future, that's even true of, of the afterlife. And I think that's a really good premise. And it took me a little while to actually catch on that that's what they were doing, because initially I was kind of like this, this afterlife doesn't make total sense to me. Like, I don't understand why this why it's this bad, you know, like there should be. Um, you know, like, like I thought initially he would be like, oh, I can like eat whatever I want and not gain weight and stuff like that. I, I thought there, there should have been more of a period of, uh, of it seeming cool, um, before these problems became more and more, uh, apparent. Um, but then like once I sort of started seeing, oh, this is the theme of the show that, that made a little bit more sense. Um, but how about Abby? What were you, what do you, what'd you think about this, uh, when he first kind of shows up in the virtual reality? Yeah, I agree about the microtransactions everywhere. Um, you know, the whole like having to rate people, they have to rate their angels. Um, <laughs> I, I liked a lot of it. I mean, um, I also liked the way they portrayed um, kind of cell phone calls or calling people you could call back and forth between the real world and this virtual world. They had a window. Um, and the way you call is just by opening your hand, basically, instead of having to deal with a device. So that was kind of a nice touch. Um, but yeah, there were definitely, there's a lot of dystopian symbology going on, which was entertaining because it was so on the nose of what we do deal with in the real world. Mm -hmm. How about John? What did you think of the, when he first shows up at Lakeview? Yeah. I mean, I agree with, uh, with, uh, what Toby and Abby were saying. Uh, although I, I have to say with the, with the phone thing, while that's cool, I feel like that's a really like holding your, your your thumb and your and your index finger in that L uh, position to to display the dig, uh, virtual screen. Like I feel like that would get like would make your hand cramp up. Like I'm trying to do it right now, and I mean, <laughs> admittedly, I'm not used to it, but it just doesn't really seem super comfortable to me. Uh, but anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I uh, I love I love like the different uh, corporate uh, conglomerations that have happened, and you know, like those kind of details, and uh, and just all the other stuff everybody else was saying, but. Um, as, as much as I like all of the a lot, a lot of these technical uh, technological details that that we're talking about, uh, that's probably one of the one places where uh, I had a bunch of issues with the show is with some some of the various uh, uh, ways technology is implemented, um, or even just like science. Like I mean, so uh, Nathan basically has a punctured lung. It's like, wait a minute. 
that's pretty treatable even now, not let alone in, you know, uh, what, 2033 or whatever, like, you know, presumably in, 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 you know, 12 years, uh, it'll be even easier to treat that. Um, and I get that, you know, you don't want to risk dying on the table, um, because then you miss out on your chance of getting uploaded, but it's like, but shouldn't, that shouldn't, that didn't really seem like a big risk there. Cause it's like, well, he's already in the hospital. If it seems like he's going to die, just take, you know, go, go upload him. But then also like, I was very confused by the, um, you know, you, you sit him down in a chair and then like you vaporize his head and, and then the body kind of collapses into, into a, a little vat that they're going to put on ice. I'm like, none of that made any sense to me. <laughs> like, wait, why, why is that happening? And, um, well, yeah. Well, actually that kind of made sense to me because I don't know if you remember John, like years ago, we went to see a reading by Robin Wasserman Yeah. and she had had, a, she had written a novel, like I think a YA novel about a yeah. character who's, like brain is uploaded into a robot body or something. And she was saying she had talked to some scientist who had said that in order to scan uh, your brain at a level of fidelity uh, for, for this kind of, you know, computer modeling of it, you would probably have to destroy the, it would, that process would probably destroy your physical brain. Oh, and okay. so in her, in her story, you know, they sort of like froze your brain in liquid nitrogen and then like took very thin slices of it and then scanned oh, okay. each of those. But so there, and there was no brain left right, right. afterwards. Well, so see, that's what they... I was, yeah, I mean, if they had if they had presented it that way, that would make sense. It's like the way they do it on the show; it's just kind of done like as a joke. Uh, but then, <laughs> it, and so it's like it is kind of funny, but then it doesn't really like make sense. Like if you don't like sort of explain it the way you just did, because it's like yeah. the way we're looking at it visually it doesn't seem like that's what's happening. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so so it is just kind of that that kind of like uh, was one of those suspension of disbelief things. Like, uh, well. Okay. Well, the the thing I had with that was that they let your family members watch this yeah, happen. Well, no, yeah, that was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so so yeah, there were things like that that um like I, I thought there was a, a tension in the show between the science fiction and the humor. Yeah, and, yeah. And definitely some of the humor, you know, doesn't make sense in science fictional terms. I mean, the the big thing that was really bugging me in the first episode was that they have this like data stream where you can kill yourself. And they say like something like 50% of people use this to kill themselves. And I just can't believe that's not more of an issue for their customers. You know, like it doesn't (laughs) like there's, they they don't build a fence around it or like, why does it, why is it even there at all? You know, like stuff like that. Just, just, I was really having trouble with to start off with. Um, But um, um, Toby, do you have anything else, thing else you want to say about just sort of this basic setup of this virtual reality? Um. No, but one of the narratively interesting things, uh, you're talking about the phone call, and I really, really loved the episode number three was when I really got into the show, which is when they hold the funeral. And they have that big glass uh, sort of viewing uh, panel for both sides, right? So it's kind of like the TV becomes like breaking the fourth wall between the two groups of virtuals and the people in real life for the funeral. And he basically gets to stand in front of this, you know, giant TV monitor and look, you know, through into the room where his funeral is being held. Cause that's one that's, you know, a giant wall is basically turned into a, a screen for him. Um, and everyone in real life is kind of almost moving on and having their own kind of uh, moment. And he's not really part of it. Right. And, uh, I thought that was really fascinating. There's just some stuff going on in there about how we move on from people and how that might scare us and how that might be a fear that you have after you leave, how your memories linger on or don't. And he is watching those, some of those things happen like in real time 
because he has that access to the other side of of real life. And so like a sort of a stranded ghost, he's just on the other side being ignored by most of the people at his funeral, um, looking at, you know, just sort of the the aftermath of his life. And that I thought was when it started to move from just sort of like a situational comedy, right? The situation being like, you know, here's how goofy it would be if, you know, large corporations actually ran our afterlife um, to being sort of very uh, poignant. Yeah, no, I, I, I love that scene. I agree with you. It, it, it was, again, from a science fiction perspective, it was kind of making me wonder why they don't have telepresence robots, which they right. actually have now. Right. So like when I interviewed Richard Garriott, you know, he, he actually owns this little it's like a, a scooter with a TV monitor for where the head would be. And then he can like, you know go around the office and talk to people and everything and, you know, continue participating in his life. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like there would be stuff like that. Although they, they actually had a really good line about how um, the uploaded people aren't allowed to hold jobs because they don't, you know, the, I don't know, the government doesn't want them competing for jobs with the living people. Right. So um, there may be stuff like that. going. And I thought that was a good sort of um, science fiction kind of extrapolation of something that might happen. Uh, um, yeah. You know, uh, uh, I was going to say, uh, uh, I mean, that just reminds me. Uh, so, yeah, episode three is with the funeral. And then uh, and that's a really great technological thing. But then also, like, I'm just looking at the list of episodes and like episode four is the sex suit. And then episode five is the gray market. And those are both two other really good uh examples of what they do on this show that I think is just like really interesting. Like the sex suit, like, I mean, it's just <laughs> completely ridiculous, but I mean, it's like, you know, yeah. Like when, if you have a, a loved one, uh, you know, a spouse that was, or whatever, uh, or lover that was in the, that's now in the afterlife and you still want to be able to have uh, relations with them, then uh, there you go. And, uh, and, and there's like a, they, they actually could have made so many more jokes about that. Like, I, I feel like I kind of admire the restraint that they only did as many as they did. <laughs> uh, um, but that it was just like a really cool detail. Cause it's like, Oh, like you could totally overlook that. Uh, but then, um, uh, but that, I, I thought that was really cool. And then the gray market uh, where they kind of go on the edges of the, um, of the virtual reality, uh, kind of like the dark web or something, um, you know, to, uh, to find all the different illicit things that the, that the, um, the virtual reality isn't supposed to allow. Uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and, uh, and it was kind of funny how, um, you know, the, the kid, uh, wants to get a, wants to get the tattoo that will let him let his avatar age up. And then, but then since he bought something that was just like, he did like from some dude in a back alley, basically, uh, it turned out that the upgrade he got was actually for, uh, a gender that didn't match his own. And so he was a little confused <laughs> when, when, when the results happened, but, um, I thought they, they handled that as about as well as probably could be expected. Although, uh, I wouldn't presume to, to judge that, uh, uh, as a, as a straight white dude. Uh, but, um, I thought, it, I thought it worked pretty well for what they were doing. Yeah. Well, I, I, and I, I really started to like that, that gray market episode was where I really started liking the show before that. I was kind of like, yeah, this is yeah. fine. Yeah. Um, but, um, the, the thing I wanted to get to, or like, you know, one of my big sort of hangups early on was that I felt like, um, was that Nathan and Ingrid were kind of like cartoonish, kind of over the top, especially Ingrid. I felt like the show, it's, it's just like so telegraphed that the show wants us to dislike her um, that I, 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 I sort of like push back a little bit of when, when I feel like a show is just like telling me so clearly how I should feel about the characters. Um, but so I want to I want to ask Abby about that. So, Abby, what did you think? What did you think about these characters of Nathan and uh, Ingrid kind of in the first couple episodes? 
Yeah, I mean, well, it, it's true. She was really unlikable and yeah, continues to be. But um, I kind of like larger-than-life characters. I, I like cartoons. So <laughs> um, I kind of thought the show had yeah, a little Abby, bit. Abby uh, went to, what was the, the Disney art school? Uh, Cal, Cal Arts. Cal Arts. Yeah. yeah. So I don't mean I, I, I don't mean to be insulting when I call the characters cartoonish. I, oh, yeah, no problem. I, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's all a matter of taste. Um, but I, I tend to like, you know, um, I thought the, the humor had a little bit of an overlap with Rick and Morty. Um kind of like this exaggerated exaggerated characters exaggerated situations and i've always liked that style um yeah okay well that because that's interesting because i I guess we haven't explained yet you i think abby mentioned the angel but but so it turns out that they have these sort of like customer service representatives who help you help the people in the afterlife you know deal with whatever like uh, problems come up and so then there's this character nora who is nathan's angel and she's, you know, a, a young woman, a very likable young woman. And she lives in kind of like a, you know, like a crummy apartment and doesn't really like her job and, you know, has like a difficult, you know, like a commutes on the subway in a crowded subway and everything like that. Um, but I thought that this, um, the Nora, the actress who plays Nora was fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, I really feel like she brought a, I, I, I feel like she brought a real sense of reality to the character and by extension to the show overall, I feel like if um, if you didn't have her in this, I think this whole thing might have fallen apart. Agreed. Yeah, she's definitely carried the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think she she does a lot of heavy lifting uh, that uh, where where the show really could have gone off on uh, off the rails, like with the whole like uh, that sort of very intimate uh, moment right when the person first arrives in the afterlife, and and you just have this person uh you know sort of talking to you softly in your ear uh i feel like that was just like really well done and like you know not every not every actor is going to be able to pull that off uh in the way that she did and um but then yeah just consistently throughout the whole show she's great um but then also i i mean uh like i think uh you know I think we all were sort of agreeing in, in like the first episode that Nathan, uh, you know, Robbie Amell as, as Nathan was like, you know, uh, you kind of weren't kind of sure where, uh, where that character was going to go, or, or at least I wasn't really sure if I was going to like him. Um, but then it's like, once you get sort of beyond, uh, the fact that he has, uh, this, you know, sort of horrible person as his girlfriend, uh, it, it's like, uh, and the fact that he's like super good looking, it's like you kind of you kind of feel like he's probably going to be an asshole <laughs> in the show. But then he turns out to be not. And he's like actually really smart. And he like so he goes against a lot of the types that you would that you would often see uh, uh, from what you might assume from from like the like the first moments of watching the first episode and everything. Uh, so I like that right. they yeah. you know took him far away from where, where maybe you were assuming his character was going to go. I'll, I'll put in, I, you know, I'm going to pull in, uh, I, I, I don't, uh, one of the interesting things about Ingrid is that the episode, the sleepover, I think that's like the fifth or sixth episode or, or something like that. Um, Ingrid's, uh, growth, uh, oh, how right. she presents herself and what you know about her begins to change your opinion of her as well, right? She's fronting a certain way. She's shown a certain way entitled and all of that stuff, but starting in episode six and moving on, uh, she begins to sort of round out and be and become a lot more sympathetic. And you, as a watcher, have to kind of grapple with some of the assumptions you may have made about that character, um, which then plays into the very last episode. What they do, um, you know, they kind of give her uh, a moment where she kind of 
lets go of everything to end up uh, making a big change in her life. <laughs> okay, let's let's not get into the last episode. I'm not, yet, but, but just <laughs> saying that, like, there there is there's uh, it, it it takes a little bit longer, but there's like definitely like this uh, takeoff with Ingrid's character that actually has has kind of made me go like, you know, I'm going to hold off on making any judgments about what they want to do with her. Yeah, but I, I agree. Like, you know, yeah, toward the end of the season, we sort of see Ingrid's family for the first time, and they're this this very wealthy family, and they're just really all just awful to each other all the time. And so we sort of see kind of like that she's actually not not as bad as as the environment that produced her. And I feel like, yeah, I mean, th- that was good. I feel like we could have used maybe more of that because I feel like the, yeah. you know, the um, it's kind of this love triangle. But the, you know, in a, in a love triangle, usually you would want, you know, there's like team you'd want like team Nora and team Ingrid or something. And, and I, don't, I feel like the way the show is presented, like nobody's going to think that Nathan should stay with Ingrid. And I feel like it might be more interesting if you know, 20% or 30% of viewers would be like, no, actually I like Ingrid or, you know, like, like some, there, there's, there's just, like if it's foreordained, it's less interesting to me, it seems. Agreed. Yeah. Any, anyone disagree with that? Um, I will say I disagree. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think love triangles are a little bit overdone. Um, And I, I just, I like the tension because even though it's very clear who she, she should be with Nora instead of Ingrid, um, there's so many obstacles to that relationship. And, you know, all the world is set up where he kind of has to stay with Ingrid. <laughs> um, and so I think that the tension is derived from that. Yeah, so he has to stay with uh, with Ingrid because she's paying for his, uh, <laughs> yeah. his bills. Exactly. She's going to delete him if he says no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that certainly doesn't make her any more likable that, that, that it's like, there's that threat of being deleted. You know, it's, it's like, on the one hand, she is paying for it, but on the other hand, well, is she though? It's really like her family's money. <laughs> so it's like, it does, it's not like it's her hard earned money that she's spending, you know, and then there is that threat of deletion. So she does have a long road to walk to, to get, uh, uh, you know, to, to overcome that initial bad impression. <laughs> Well, actually, let's get into, so um, there's a part of, yeah, because it kind of brings up these sort of class issues or economic issues mm-hmm. in the show. And so there's a part where Nathan finds his way down to the basement, which is called, mm-hmm. where the two, what are they called? Two gigs? Two gigs, yeah. yeah. Two gigs. Which is, which, <laughs> which is the, the VR, you know, which is the uploaded people who whose data plan is only for two gigs. And so they have to be really careful not to do anything uh, or else they, they use up all their data. This yeah. is kind of like my, my phone plan <laughs> related to this. But um, they have to be really careful not to do too much or else they kind of like get frozen until the end of the uh, month when, you know, the, the data plan rolls over. Um, and there's a really, so, and there's, so he's, he, and, and it's all this, it's very like, you know, bare bones, you know, uh, rooms and everything. And so he goes up to this book sh- uh, bookcase and, and is looking at the book and the book only has the first chapter. And then you have to pay extra for the yeah. words to appear in the rest of the book. <laughs> and there's this little kid reading Harry Potter <laughs> and he says, um, oh, Harry Potter, great book. Love the wizards. And the kid's like, there's magic in Harry Potter. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so sad. <laughs> so sad. And then yeah. the kid freezes because he's used up his data plan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I don't know, Toby. What'd you think of the uh, the two gigs? Anything? Uh, I love the two gigs. Two gigs. Although I was really kind of expecting them to end up kind of like in a Minecraft like world, you know, mm. uh, just end up being like blocky and and unanim- you know, very low res. Um, but the the freezing mechanism is just as fun too. I thought that was yeah, uh, that was hilarious. Um, 
particularly as, uh, you know, Dave says, like it, it, uh, for those of us who've ever been on like, you know, a monthly plan, um, it, you know, I finally was able to get to a point in my life where I could get the unlimited data, uh, on my phones. But I remember, um, when my, uh, when I got my kids, uh, cell phones, uh, the advanced cell phones for the first time. And they started looking at YouTube in the car ride on the way home and basically suddenly realizing that like, by the time I got <laughs> home, I was going to be out of the month's data. <laughs> it was uh, definitely gives you some of that same anxiety and they use it so well in the plot structure uh, for the last uh, chunk of it. Um, it becomes really important to, you know, like it's, uh, they use it for that really classic thing where, um, you know, like in the horror movie, you've got to get rid of everyone's cell phones in order to, you know, really get the the fun going and, and adventure movies too sometimes. And so here they use it almost like that limiting mechanism. You can only think and do so much. So like you have to plan what you're going to do very carefully when you're down there in, in two gig territory. I, yeah. I, I just, you know, that was actually even slightly unexpected, even though I saw a lot of the other world building stuff because it draws so heavily from science fiction. But that whole sequence, you know, makes sense socioeconomically for its sort of like critique of the world we live in today. But uh, I thought it was genuinely refreshing and caught me off guard and worked really well for upping the tension all throughout it. I was very engaged. <laughs> what did you think? So there's the part also where um, Nathan, he's gotten um, upset with uh, uh, Lakeview and he's going to see what other uh, you know, <laughs> virtual environments have to yeah. offer. And so he go. so his mom takes him to this, like, you know, like used car salesman kind of guy. Uh, um, <laughs> and then, and there's this like running joke about IR and how it's, you know, what is it like? Is that immersive reality or something? I'm not sure. Do you know, do you well, know well, there's what, what AR. There? Well, right. But that, so, so there's AR, which is augmented reality, but then this, this like sleazy salesman is yeah. trying to sell him on IR. Mm-hmm. Does anyone know what that? I, I think where, it is where, immersive. Like, it, it like projects stuff on the room, basically. Yeah. It was kind of like low budget virtual reality inside of the virtual reality. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, I don't know if any of you tried it out, but the very first time I tried a VR rig, um, they'd taken like a video game and and just put it it's a two-dimensional video game on a giant screen inside of the vr so it's like come play this game mm. and what it was was just a, in the vr you're in this giant room and then the game is projected on a wall and i i remember being just stunningly disappointed you know <laughs> just like That's i if i wanted a giant screen i would go play the same video game over there you know um, but instead I have this like hot, sweaty, like helmet on and I'm, hmm. I, I see four walls and the video game on the, on, on the, you know, final wall, like just very sad. Um, <laughs> and that was kind of the, the same moment that I, I, you could see, uh, that when, when they're trying to sell the, the budget, the budget virtual reality there for that, it was kind of the same shtick, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I guess that's kind of the overall appeal of this show is like taking this concept of virtual reality, which is so often portrayed in science fiction is just like mind blowingly awesome. And then it has all the like same like frustrating things as like actual technology that we deal with every day. Yeah. Um, it's like a friend of mine who was talking about space travel who said, you know, like, it's like, you know, we're, we're all like, you know, everyone who goes up into space in the future is going to be like, wow, this is mind blowing. And it's so cool. And science fictional concepts are amazing. But like, you're not going to give a crap about that if you're the fry cook in the back of the spaceship. 
Uh, yeah, you know, uh, I, one of the other uh, cool things I thought about uh, the sort of shopping for the virtual realities thing is uh, when uh, so Nathan has to uh, or he he uh, he agrees to uh, sort of chaperone uh, Nora's dad uh, as he's going on a tour through uh, uh, the what what's the what's it Lake called View? Lakeview while he's going through a, a tour of Lakeview because she wants him to go there because he's like he's dying and so she wants him to agree but her dad. Uh, you know, believes in, in heaven and he want and his wife had died. And so he wants to actually die and be with his wife. And so, um, you know, uh, she's, but she doesn't want to lose him. So she's trying to convince him to, to upload. Uh, and then, so Nathan's showing him around um, and then they have some kind of glitches happening. And uh, that's actually where Toby's uh, uh, hmm. a wish of Minecraft comes in. Cause uh, Nathan uh, suddenly sort of starts <laughs> glitching a little bit and he, his body like turns into like this blocky Minecraft dude. Uh, and it's, it's pretty funny um yeah but uh but i thought that was really cool like i i love the idea of them just doing that like you know tour of it um and and having to convince people because like yeah i mean that's that's totally you know totally there would be tons of people who wouldn't uh be convinced by it so um I mean, if if anybody re- remembers way back in episode nineteen, uh, again to reference Robin Wasserman, uh, that's when uh, we talked about her her uh, her book Frozen that Dave was mentioning earlier, and then we had our panel topic uh, where we discussed this uh, concept at length. And and uh, you know, I won't bore you with my opinions again, but you know, I I do not believe that uh, uh, you know consciousness transfer uh, really would would preserve your identity and all that, but that said, you know, I mean, if I was dying and it's like, this is a shot to maybe continue, I mean, I'll give it a shot. You know, I don't really, I wouldn't really have any confidence in it working, but, you know, I'll give it a shot, you know, so. Yeah. Well, um, I want to get Abby back in here, but yeah. I mean, yeah, because there is this thing about like, well, it was making me think, right? Like, say you're young and healthy and the possibility to upload exists. And so you can live forever if you do that. Whereas if you don't do it, if you wait until like you're on your deathbed, maybe like something happens and you die in such a way that they can't upload you. So like, you know, what choice would you make in that right situation? Right. So Abby, what do you think about, about uploading? Would you do it? Yeah, I would definitely do it. <laughs> I mean, I want to so say, say you're, say you're young and healthy. Would oh. you upload like right away? Uh, no. No, I think, you know, you're right. The risks go up, you know, like you're an anvil can fall on your head at any second. (laughs) But do you have, do you share any of John's concerns about that? It wouldn't really, what he's saying is that he's afraid it wouldn't really be him. It would be just kind of like a a copy of him basically, but his subjective experience would come to an end. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a real fear and that's a real possibility. I would still take the risk because, you know, better than full stop end. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, if you're waiting until the end of end of line, then you know, yeah, go ahead and give it a shot. But uh, doing it beforehand is is the big risk. Like, see, we they need the they need those cortical stacks, like in altered carbon. Like that way, <laughs> you know, you can live your full life, and then if you die, then okay, well, there you go, you're fine. You know, it's automatic upload. Well, and and this thing with Nora's dad, where I, I see that, like, if this technology ever comes to be comes to exist, I see that being a, a real huge issue for lots of people. Like, you know. If, if if by who are religious and are like, well, if I'm going to live forever in the VR, then am I never going to go to have go to like the religious heaven? Right. right. So um, I thought it was good that the show addressed that because that definitely would be a huge issue, it seems to me. Yeah. 
Um, I don't know. So Abby, it sounds like you're pretty positive about the show overall. Was there any, did you have any, uh, anything that didn't really work for you as well? No, honestly, um, I was having trouble not binging it (laughs) (laughs) and I'm looking forward to season two. I mean, yeah, yeah, I I honestly, this is, this show is a hundred percent. Like it hits all the right notes for me. Huh? So could you say more about like, are, do you tend to like a lot of shows that you watch or no. was this, <laughs> like, like, like what sets this That was so from? definitive. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Um, yeah. I mean, like, you know, for one thing, I thought this one did have a really well thought out world. Like you could tell he thought about it for more than five seconds. Um, you know, the characters had such good interactions and it was like a large cast of characters with enough of them that were likable that you're kind of rooting for like Nora. Um, so yeah, I just, I liked them and the, the dialogue was pretty witty. Like I thought it was just the writing in general tended to be clever and witty. And I like that. Yeah. Well, I was trying to think what are some shows that are similar to this that, you know, recently. And so like years and years, um, mm. Toby and, and John and I all talked about, um, and then there was this show called maniac on, on Netflix that we covered. Um, and then there's the show Space Force, which I haven't seen. I don't think it's that similar, but it, you know, it is also Greg Daniels. And, um, this show is, I think, 88% on Rotten Tomatoes and Space Force was like 38, yeah, 38%. Oh, really? So, um, yeah, I'm curious if anyone who's seen both of those, if they, if they have any ideas why, why this one works better than, than Greg Daniels' other science fiction show that's on right now. I mean, this is this is definitely much more interesting and well thought out than Space Force. I mean, Space, Space Force is uh, it's enjoyable, but it's like it's not in the same league as this. I think um, it's like it's so funny because like you know Steve Carell's in it and he's funny, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it has uh, it's just a completely different vibe too. Because I mean, it's just like you know maybe it's like a little bit too close to the real world <laughs> uh, and and the idiocy of 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 the whole <laughs> the way that his space force thing was being handled. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, it's, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's still enjoyable. And if you like this, you, you, you might enjoy it, but I, I'm a little surprised that there's a 50% <laughs> uh, difference between, uh, the, the ratings, uh, in this show and that one. I think, uh, what, what is intriguing about upload is that it really goes all in on the world building. Um, and it really takes the science fiction world building pretty seriously, actually, um, because you, I, you know, whenever you see that there's going to be a comedy based on a science fictional concept, you always, I always get this hollow feeling in the pit of my stomach because I know that they're, I always suspect that they're not going to be like deep lovers of science fiction and they're not going to take the concept seriously. They just play everything for laughs, mm-hmm. right? And it's just like, here's the obvious joke. Here's another obvious joke. Here's yeah, something right. that's silly, um, and. I think what makes upload work really well is that the, the, the things around the stuff that we discussed that are silly are silly and fun. And there's a lot of witty dialogue, but like, despite all of the previews for the stuff that focuses on the, on the humor, like the core of it is really earnest. Like it's, it's a very earnest core and not earnest as in like cheesy earnest, but earnest as in like, let's dig into all of these concepts as far as we can and really examine them. Right. Like, you know, Dave uh, talked about just uh, when he gives the religious father the tour, Um, they didn't they don't play that for laughs a ton. Right. They're very uh, they're they're There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of the father's um, views are treated 
with complete respect, which I yeah. thought was was great. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm not particularly uh, religious, but I was actually really pleased because they really took the time to get into the character's head um, and 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 represent him. And so I just think that there's a lot of just really good core. Um, it, you know, uh, just, uh, examining out all of the repercussions yeah. of the technology, um, that they, they can take the laughter. I mean, the sex suit episode is legitimately <laughs> funny. Um, but it's also kind of earnest because Ingrid really is, has been left. And even though, uh, he's died, he's in this quasi state where she can talk to him, she can sext him but she can't be with him. Right. And they're both kind of getting sexually frustrated. Right. And it's, it's played for laughs, but it's also like both characters are genuinely trying to kind of keep a connection going and failing. Um, and I, and it, and it comes back by the end to be really important um, for them both. So I, I just, I think the, the, the coreness of it is that it actually, even though it's a comedy, it takes all of its characters very seriously. And I think that's what makes it work for me. Uh, one thing I was going to say about the the um the, you know how they treat the father's views respectfully, I, I feel like one of the ways that they really uh, nailed that is that you know they put uh, him and Nora together and they're having a conversation and you can see uh, that Nora is clearly very concerned about this because she doesn't share his views and and so uh, but then and then he's presenting his case and I feel like the show does a really good job of of presenting that as like, okay, so Nora has this opinion and, uh, but that's not, that's not what the show is saying. It's like, you can just watch the show and take it however you want to, because this is what this character thinks. And this is what this character thinks. It's not the show telling, trying to tell you that, Oh no, the dad is obviously wrong, you know? And I thought that they did that uh, pretty well. Yeah. Well, just when Toby was mentioning these world building details, there's one other world building detail I really liked that I wanted to mention. So when Nora goes, I think she goes to uh, have dinner with her at her dad's place. He says, you know, oh, Jamie Oliver just tweeted out this new recipe <laughs> for a steak. Right. And he like plugs it into his 3D printer yeah. and prints out the steak. And and that seems very, you know, plausible to me. And then also there's this great moment where Nathan's, uh, I think she's his niece or something, like like Nevaeh. Yeah, yeah. Um, she's having dinner with Ingrid's awful rich family, <laughs> and she finds a bone in her chicken, and she's like, "Oh, what is this?" And she's never encountered bones in her meat before because she's only e- eaten 3D printed meat. And um, and they say, and Ingrid says, "Oh, not everybody can afford like non printed meat." And I thought that those details were all just was again, like Toby's saying, just great parts of the yeah the whole world that the show creates. Yeah, hundred percent. Right. Well, it's all well thought through. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say um, one thing that uh, like I don't want to compare too much to other shows that are not science fiction, but um, in terms of the uh, the the sort of vibe of the show uh, being so earnest, like we were saying, where it's like you know it's 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 a it's a comedy, but there's so much like real emotion in it and like real stakes and everything that it's like it's it's only kind of a comedy. It's like got a very serious under tone or maybe it's overtone i mean because it, it it feels more like a drama than it does a comedy honestly i mean if you look at the whole thing overall but it, it reminded me a lot of uh the show uh catastrophe uh which is also on amazon um and that one's much more of a traditional sort of uh you know a comedy setup but it just got it's 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 so it's got so much like uh uh emotion in it and like you know you you definitely it definitely it's a definitely a show that would make you cry uh, i don't think that uploads that kind of show but it in the way that they both 
really take all of the plot elements so seriously that you can't really properly call the show just comedy. Um, you know, I, I, I think like there's a parallel there. So like, I mean, and, and to the extent that I think if you liked catastrophe, I mean, I think you'd probably like upload. Okay. Yeah. I, I haven't seen catastrophe, but I, I totally agree with you that the show is basically, it's a, it's a really quite good comedy. It's a really quite good romantic, like romantic, like office romance kind of thing. And it's a really quite good techno thriller. Um, you know, so, so it, you know, we, we pretty quickly get the idea that Nathan was murdered and, um, and how that sort of mystery develops. So I thought was actually pretty well done. Um, you know, and there's different like red herrings and yeah, yeah. You know, clues and stuff like that. Um, I guess. And, and like I said, like the, the, <laughs> the episode that really, where I really started liking it was, um, episode five, the, the gray market episode, because like I said, I, I, I thought that maybe Nathan and Ingrid should have been a little bit more kind of grounded, like, um, like Nora is. I actually heard, um, Greg Daniel say that for all of Ingrid scenes, they did like a grounded one and a kind of oh. like more like oh like like what would how would you say broad humor one, uh-huh. and then they kind of like mixed and matched them in, oh. in editing Interesting. um so i, I don't I, I don't know maybe you know they made the right decision i mean obviously they know more about it than i do but it, I, I felt like maybe they would have could have gone more grounded but i thought that the broad humor worked really well for all the peripheral characters like like the the kid you mentioned who's frustrated that he's in a kid body when he's actually like his mind is like 19 years old or whatever and um that was so uh, good like about yeah. i mean because again earnestness right like you know yeah. parents who refuse to let go of their their kids or let them grow up i mean oh man oh and also like him talking to like having that phone call with his brother yeah. with his mom and his brothers in the background and his brother just doesn't <sighs> even want to talk to him because like i could totally see that because it's like you know he's <laughs> yeah it's like it's it's awkward and complicated and i thought that that was handled really well yeah, these are all like um they're common in the upload trope, but it's like the show takes it and like takes it to its natural conclusion. It's like mm-hmm. the self-aware kind of humor, which I really like. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, well, well, the the part where there's like his best friend, like the kid's best friends, and it's Nora, right? Sort of gets on the phone with him, and he's like, you know, we were like, you know, we were like best friends when I was twelve or whatever, but now I'm like you know, 17 or whatever. I don't yeah. want to like still talk about, you know, like, like be friends with the 12 year, you know, like, yeah, it was like, actually, that was actually really kind of like, um, that hit me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like all these peripheral characters, like I was saying, like, like, um, Nora's awful, like boss from hell, Lucy, <laughs> Gosh, um, <it's> horrible. <laughs> the, the dog therapist. Like, I love um, the dog therapist. <laughs> yeah. That, that was, I love that. The- <laughs> He's eating ice cream and the dog is kind of looking at its balls and you're like, oh, that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> um, and then like Luke, the kind of like douchebag friends who he meets in, um, in VR, like, yeah, like all, and all of them are like, like pretty like over the top, but like that works really well for me. Cause they're all like really, really funny. Um, I guess, Abby, are there any other, like any other characters you want to. Yeah. Uh, one that that I thought was just great was Fran, the investigative oh, yeah, cousin. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That I mean, you know, too bad she died. Spoiler, but um, yeah, like like they kind of just played that. Like she she really is investigating. She's the epitome of like a 
she she reminds me of a lot of writers, honestly. Like she's just yeah. <laughs> got, got that, like I'm gonna solve a mystery. I'm gonna you know be yeah. the one that solves it. Um, a lot of true crime affection models, and um, you know, so she goes investigates, but wouldn't you know it? She got a little too close to the truth, and she also dies in a self driving car accident, which you saw coming from a mile away. But it's it's like <laughs> yeah, the way they did it was just so funny. I mean. You know, you just know what's going to happen. Yeah, though that character was fantastic. Yeah, so she's yeah, like Nathan's, she's his cousin or something, right? Yeah, and and she's like actually a gym teacher or something, but she's decided to like investigate his his death, <laughs> and it's just really yeah. like has like a notepad and is like really like obnoxious and you know uh, curt with everybody and going around and yeah, it's so so <laughs> much fun to watch. Um, but speaking of like, uh, getting too close to the truth, I assume everyone noticed the smoking man from. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I did not put that together, but now that you say it. (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, Oh yeah. Yeah. So I I was just going to say that, that, that was really well cast. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying as, as a nineties TV watching kid, uh, It's Cancer Man, right? It's Cancer right, Man Cancer was Man. the official yeah, yeah. title of the X Files guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got to represent. I, 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 don't, I don't. I think this official title might be the Cigarette Smoking Man. Right. I think Cancel Cancer Man might be a fan. I'm yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, sure yeah, yeah. That, but Cancer Man's the fan thing. Yep. Uh, but yeah, uh, the Cigarette Smoking Man uh, as basically David Coke. Uh, uh, is that is <laughs> is it, David is one of them, right? Anyway, one of the Coke brothers. Yeah. Well, he has uh, a name that sounds almost just like that, right? Right, yeah. right. It's choke, choke, I think. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, very, uh, very cleverly disguised, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Never didn't see through that one. <laughs> well, it's funny. Actually, one of these uh, interviews I watched with Greg Daniels, somebody they asked him, like, "Did you have to get permission to use like the names of companies and stuff?" Mm-hmm. And he's like, "No, we didn't really worry about it, and Amazon didn't seem to care." So. <laughs> <laughs> really because yeah they were doing that all over the place so, like yeah it's panera disney they, ju- they just put right. like a fast food chain with a big ch- tech giant <laughs> well wait where's the- i have i have that line actually i want to show this line just cracked me up so much this is there- he's- there's just a newscast on in the background and the newscaster says aggressive chain restaurant panera bread stock is soaring after buying facebook earlier this year <laughs> yeah yeah and, the- yeah, oh, and I- also the yeah be- because um you know, because they're doing this stuff with trying to create new. So there, there's this. Uh, they're trying to create new like biological bodies and then be able to download the. Oh yeah. The uploaded people back into the bodies, and so one of the companies is Oscar Mayer Intel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. <laughs> uh, although I have to, I have to say, one of my other technological issues is when they do try to do that first clone that they're going to put the brain back in or the mind back into, uh, and it's like, so well, I didn't understand why would they clone the guy as an old old man if you're gonna clone the guy and put him back in his own body wouldn't you clone him and like age him up to be like a young man like would he want what did he want to be back in his old man body who wants that <laughs> it didn't make any sense he's Maybe very it's all secure they have. in who he is Don't i mean greg daniels just wanted to give creed bratton you know a job uh you know because he's like you know hey buddy you were great on the office like here you can be on the in my new show for five minutes <laughs> um well i mean also like all the people all the uploads are different like a lot of them are old and that yeah. doesn't make any sense right they would you would right. think that they would all look like right you know uh, like nathan you yeah know, like well I mean, and virtual reality 
yeah and there's like there's the one woman uh what was it um it was ingrid's uh like grandmother or something right where she like she looks like an old vintage photo of herself like yeah. that made sense <laughs> like you know you could totally see somebody wanting to do that um she said but, it was the uh, only photo they had of her <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was weird. Um, but um, I mean, that that was just for for laughs. But I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, like you would think that, like realistically, they would at least colorize her or, or something. You yeah, know? yeah. No, I actually, I thought it was cool. I thought it was cool to keep it uh, as as black and white. Like, uh, and and I could see somebody totally wanting that on purpose. Um, yeah, but, actually, that would have been better if she said that she wanted it that way. She's yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. Know, this is my favorite picture of myself, and I yeah. wanted to look just like that or something. Right, yeah. right, right, right. <laughs> Uh, before before we get too far afield of, of talking about other characters, I feel like we we should at least mention that Alicia, uh, you know, uh, the the other handler that that Nora works with. I mean, she's also great, and don't you know, no disrespect to her not having mentioned her before now. I mean, she's a she's a secondary character, but she 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 has a lot of laughs, and I think uh, it does. Um, it does a lot to round out the office environment to have uh, have Nora have that uh, coworker that she talks to and everything and, and has, uh, you know, can uh, discuss uh, office politics about. And it's like, you know, it's mm. it's actually as the show goes on, it's like it's kind of become more clear that um, it's like it's kind of amazing that this virtual reality even works at all, given some of the, you know, the you know, like they're, the, the people that work there, because it's like, I mean, they're they're basically making minimum wage or something, it's, I think uh, they reference. I mean, they're certainly not making a lot of money. So it's like the people that work there, it's like, well, some of them are good. <laughs> some of them are not so good, um, you know, so I, I, I don't that well, was cool. I don't think they're, I mean, I don't know. I don't think they're making minimum wage, but Ingrid says to Nora, like, oh, I support raising the minimum wage. Just right. Apropos of nothing. And I think that's <laughs> just to show like how, like, you know, yeah, yeah, rude, yeah. rude Ingrid is and sure, you know, sure. how she just assumes, you know, she, that everyone's poor. You know, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. She just looks at Nora and sees a poor person. Right, you know? right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so let's, let's, I guess, get close into some of these final episodes. So, um, what did everyone think of the thriller plot? So, so actually, okay. So, so, so we're led to believe that Nathan's best friend stole his project from him and is, is, is going around trying to sell it. But it turns out that actually his friend Jamie is sort of dodging his calls because he hooked up with Ingrid and is embarrassed about it. And when Nathan, oh, Nathan, this whole time has has lost some of his memories in the upload process. And when he gets his his memories back, he's he discovers that actually he kind of screwed over Jamie mm-hmm. and sold their technology to Ingrid's dad behind Jamie's back. And that's, so he's kind of been the bad guy in this friendship all along. Um, that was an and, awesome reveal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then also we find out that Ingrid's dad right had nathan killed and ingrid tried to save him by reprogramming the car um and but then we're also kind of led to believe that um ingrid's dad isn't the main bad guy but he's like an agent of some larger sinister force or you know sinister uh group of people or something uh is how i read it but um abby what did you think of when this when this show starts becoming more of like a thriller how did that talk about how the, how you uh, responded to that? Oh, I'm all for that. You know, I, I kind of love murder mysteries and I was like, yeah, who did kill him? Um, what, who did erase his memories? Why? Um, so of course, you know, that's the story question that kind of pulls me through the whole show. Um, and when I start answering that, I'm like, Oh, great. I'm finally getting to it. 
I didn't even expect them to really address it all in season one, and it turns out they didn't. They left quite a few loose ends. Um, like one, I think, big question left hanging is like, if if Nathan did take a big payout, how come his mom didn't receive any of it? So yeah, where did that money go? <laughs> right. Yeah. So yeah. yeah anyway, so I, I think it kind of implies that Nathan it may not be the the bad guy we're seeing. Maybe somebody tampered with his memories. Um, maybe they didn't. He didn't get them all restored. It's possible. Um, and yeah, of course, like you know, somebody else is behind manipulating everything, and <laughs> maybe it's the David Choke guy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's, I hadn't thought of I hadn't thought about that. That, that but the um, Nathan's restored memories might be fake and he didn't mm-hmm. actually he's not actually right didn't actually do this bad thing that's uh, that, that possibility hadn't occurred to me uh or i was just thinking that i mean it's possible that he did do the bad thing but uh but he doesn't actually have all of the memories back and so uh to answer abby's uh, hypothetical question it's like it could be that he set up some account to put the money in because he he learned that people may be trying to kill him or something although he doesn't actually really behave like anyone's trying to kill him when we see him get you know, in the accident. So maybe that doesn't really uh, stand to, uh, up to much scrutiny. Uh, but I was just thinking that it's like, you know, he could have, he could have, you know, put the money that he got from the sale in some secret account and he just hadn't gotten around to being able to give it, give his mom access before he died. But, um, but yeah, it's just like the way he acts at the beginning of the, in the first episode before he dies, it's like, it doesn't seem like a person who's worried about any of that, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but I, so I thought that the all the techno thriller kind of stuff was really well done and the twists and everything, except for like one thing kind of like was was a wrong note for me, which is where, well, actually, where, where the guy came to Nora's apartment to try to kill her. I, I wasn't mm-hmm. crazy about that. But then also like then she talks to her dad and he's like, oh, actually, I have connections with the Lud underground and I can mm-hmm. like spirit you off to a safe house or something. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to me real. I mean, I know they had established that her dad was like not down with the. Yeah. Uh, VR and everything, but it, it that's that's he got a, seemed a little like far fetched to me, and I felt like that should have been established more. And I, I was getting a little nervous, you know, like I was saying, Toby and John and I all talked about uh, years and years where it was this really good, um, you know, it, it was this really good portrayal of kind of like ordinary people in this near future, kind of trying to live their lives as as all this like messed up stuff starts happening involving technology and everything and then like toward the end it gets a little too far into you know the sort of thriller like hackers and all this kind of stuff which which made it seem a little a little far-fetched and I, i'm a little concerned that that might happen to this show in in season two that it's going to get too like adventure and right. we're going to lose what makes it appealing to me which is the the kind of like yeah the, the sort of ordinary people in this kind of like so sort of crazy techno future. Um, so I just, I don't know, Toby, what do you think? Are you, uh, do you share any of those concerns? Yeah. I mean, uh, by the time you get to episode 10, it's all, uh, not all, but it's really serious and there's a lot of stuff going on and the kind of, uh, charming, um, takes a step back to that. But, uh, who knows? I mean, uh, that this season was such a, slam dunk for me i'm you know absolutely willing to jump into season two and see where they take me i mean i've i'm going to give them a great deal of trust uh based on just how much fun i had with the first season 
Yeah, same for me. Uh, and and I, I do have uh, some of those same concerns that you're talking about, Dave. Um, and as for the Lud Underground, like, I love the idea of that, but I agree that like it kind of comes in. A, a, it's not it's not it's kind of convenient the way it kind of drops in there and and isn't isn't uh, well enough established for as important as a thing as it seems to be. Uh, but just, just the idea that there is such a thing like that, that really worked for me. Um, but uh but yeah, you know, uh, that, that's an, that's a, also a really interesting parallel to years and years. And I, I agree, like that's like uh, it, it would be easy for this show to follow down that same path and, and get too too far afield with those kind of thrillery elements, um, you know, going too far with it, uh, getting it too far away from uh, sort of the, the cool science fiction uh, and comedy stuff that uh, made us like it in the first place. Uh, but I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm happy enough with it uh, that uh, I very uh, I very much am inclined to give it a lot of rope. Um, so um, let's see where they take it. Yeah, I guess I'll just mention a couple sort of random things. Just the the Lud movement obviously is a reference to Luddites, and which are you know people who are sort of you know hostile to new technology. Um, and the the movement is named after it was an actual movement in in England um, when you know like factories were getting going. And there were people who would like smash up factories and they, they got, they were inspired by this guy, Ned Ludd, or like by the story of this guy, Ned Ludd, who had, who had smashed up his, you know, factory or whatever. And my understanding is that Ned Ludd is not like never actually existed, you know, that this was just like a story that got going. And so this whole like character and this whole word and this whole thing that persists even into this, uh, into this TV show in, in 2020, you know, uh, was all just kind of like a, like a rumor that got going, which I think is kind of interesting. Um, so the uh, the Lakeview, um, a lot of it was shot at the Mohonk House, which is a kind of like a like a ski resort uh, in New Paltz, New York, which is you know like I don't know an hour or two north of New York City. And actually, one of the first times that John and I ever <laughs> hung out was at a conference. In unfortunately, it was not at a resort. But, uh, <laughs> right, it was, in, it was in New Paltz, New York. So. That's kind of it's kind of fun for me to see. I have been to Mohonk House. I, I've been there with my parents, but uh, but so it's kind of but fun. it wasn't it wasn't at a resort. But the the motel we stayed at was right next to a strip club. So I mean, you know, it was really really classy. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, yeah, this is maybe a little bit of a digression, but <laughs> just just to give you an idea of of how awesome this motel was, where we were staying at, uh, I had to call nine one one while we were there. <laughs> Because a guy had pulled up in the parking lot and was shouting at his wife and or, or girlfriend or something who was in one of the rooms threatening to shoot her. And then like a cop, you know, so I call 911 and then a cop comes up and the guy just he sort of like leans over the hood of his car and puts his hands behind his back because he'd obviously been through this. <laughs> this, is not his, this is not his first rodeo. Um, so, yeah, um, I don't know. Any other anyone have, have anything else about uh upload that they've been wanting to talk about Hmm. oh you know i guess like i just thought um like that little code device he was given towards the end where he can alter the code that's sort of matrix oh yeah yeah that was cool yeah so i expect it we might start seeing you're right that that it might be the the second season might be a lot more action-oriented more heroic which i'll like i think i'll eat that up so (laughs) we'll see (laughs) Yeah, so just to explain, um, Nathan gets his hands on this little like tool in the virtual environment, which allows him to touch objects and open up their code and then make changes. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, 
trying to see what other notes I have here. Um, okay, this is kind of kind of random, but so there's the scene where he's the first time he urinates in uh, <laughs> oh yeah virtual reality. <laughs> he discovers that it's the the code is such that you you can't. Uh, miss the urinal and so no matter how far he gets from the urinal like the stream of urine yeah. you know finds its way into the urinal and, and so that's kind of funny but it did raise the question for me like huh. why would you why would urination be programmed into this right at all like is that something that yeah but they, they really brought wanted? that up They're, they were like he was like why would you even have farts and he's yeah. like why do they smell so good <laughs> like, okay <laughs> I mean, by the same extension, it's like, you know, you don't really need to eat, you know, if you're in the afterlife, but like, but at least like, well, but you, know, you would, eating, I feel you like get, you would yeah, want to eat, right. You get you pleasure, you get pleasure, you get pleasure out of food. And, and maybe they were worried about like decoupling the, uh, the sort of other end of the, of the digestive process from, from the, the brain, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's a kind of a stretch, but yeah, no, I, I mean, it's probably just something that we wouldn't need to do. <laughs> There is actually a moment where there's like his neighbors and one of them has paid extra to be sick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah to have a cold. <laughs> yeah, he's like, can you bring me a tissue, please? Oh, thank yeah. you. Just so, so glad to be sick and being taken <laughs> care of. <laughs> I mean, I guess the, the thing is, it's like... uh depending on how long any of these people may have been in the afterlife. I mean, you could, I guess you could kind of see, uh, want to do all kinds of stuff, uh, at a certain point, just cause like, Oh, like I remember this from my life and I want to experience that again, even if it's like not quite as what you remember <laughs> or, uh, or you just want to feel different things because like once you've been around for a long time, although none of the people in the show have been dead for that yeah, long. I was going to say, it this would, is the it would, year it 2033. So. Yeah, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have gotten to that point where they'd be like, oh, I, I, I miss all of these real things. <laughs> let, let me experience them, even if they were terrible things. <laughs> you know? <laughs> There's a whole, uh, you know, little club over there that uh, cosplay breaking a limb. Hmm. I've got <laughs> a cast on. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I guess that was one of my things is like, why is this so much like a nursing home? when it's virtual reality and it could be anything. I mean, like you see, like the, the kid has sort of programmed the, um, the AI, uh, bellhops to like fight him street fighter. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, but you would think that it's, it's virtual reality. You would think that they would have like all sorts of, you know, crazy, like skydiving. Yeah. But it's, corp RPGs, it's like a corporation. Kind of it's like some, some soulless corporation that <laughs> has no creativity. They probably got 10 committees coming up with things and they're all erasing good ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I think Abby's, yeah, I think you're on it. Like that's, that's the way you excuse it in the world building, which is just that this is made by a corporate committee. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you work for a tech company, Abby? It sounds like yeah. you, you did. Maybe I did. <laughs> Maybe I still do. Uh. Okay. <laughs> okay. In that case, I won't, won't delve any deeper into that. Maybe um, all my friends do. <laughs> Maybe every one of my social circles. <laughs> Don't throw salt on the wound, Dave. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I don't know. But but so people think that because I don't know, isn't uh, Elon Musk has got this Neuralink thing, right? So I don't know. Yeah. What do people think about the prospect of, of any of this coming true in our lifetime? I wish, but I don't think so. 2033 yeah. is extremely optimistic. I, yeah. when you said, I didn't even know that was the year it was taking place. I assumed it was like 2080 something. Yeah. Yeah. 2033 does seem way too soon for this, but, um, 
you know, I don't know. Stuff happens at a, you know, uh, quantum leap uh, level sometimes. So, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm pretty skeptical that anything like this would ever happen in our lifetimes. But uh, hey, if I'm like I said, if if I'm an old man and I'm on the way out, I'll give it a shot. But Same. until then, <laughs> until then, I'm staying and staying in my meat sack. <laughs> Toby, what do you think? Because you, I feel like you follow new technology more than I do. Like, what do you, what do you think about how realistic does this seem to you? I, yeah, I don't think we're getting past the, uh, you know, the problem that Robert Wasserman was talking about, which is that mm. uh, the very act of, you know, um, kind of stripping those neurons out of the brain to move them to something else, kind of uh, uh, destroys the physical brain. Um, for quite a while, as far as we can tell with our technology. But one of the things that's uh, interesting about it is just that, uh, you know, I think that it's the latest in a chain of so many upload ideas in science fiction. And I thought it was a really clever look at it um, as for whether or not we will ever have that technology. Uh, like John, I always remain dubious um, because the, you know, every, whenever we think it's just 10 years out, uh, you know, there's something that gets released that says, actually, everybody, it's more complicated than we think. <laughs> um, and so I, you know, I, I I can't get past the problem we were talking about at the very beginning of the episode, which was the um, subjective experience versus making a copy of yourself problem, um, which is just really hard to get past. So even if there was something where I could upload my mind and go live virtually, uh, I'm like super aware of the fact that my subjective experience would be dying after I did it, <laughs> which is suboptimal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. See, this is why we all need to just get downloaded into like Cymec bodies and like, you know, get the whole brain and nervous system, pluck that out of my body, put it in the Cymec, let me, you know, fill it up with all kinds of fluids to keep it, you know, living and all that. And then, then maybe we can keep the, that, that system, that organic system living forever. If, you know, we maintain it and everything, and then we have our nice robot body and we can uh, have adventures go wandering around the galaxy. And I mean, that's, that sounds pretty good to me. Which does lead to a way in which you might end up getting to this point, which is, um, you know, all of our cells are constantly being, uh, you know, they're dying and, and being rebuilt, right? So, like, all the cells that make up your brain matter weren't cells that were there five years ago because there's death, renewal, and birth even inside of uh, all of your tissue. Um, and so, there, there are some theories that, like, you know, the way to transfer consciousness would be to slowly move a little bit of your brain while still being connected to something, right? And then once you've incorporated that, you keep moving a little bit more over and a little bit more over and a little bit more over, just like your natural, you know, uh, life, death, birth of cells inside of your body. You just incorporate moving part of yourself to a mechanical, uh, you know, product slowly um, so that uh, it's like this slow transference over instead of this instant thing where you make a copy. It's less make a copy and more very slowly migrate into something else. Um, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Toby, when you're talking about, you know, there's been all these upload things in science fiction, are there any of those that stand out to you, like in comparison to this? Or like, is this the first time we've seen in-app purchases in hmm. virtual reality? I think this is, is the it, first time we've seen in-app purchases in like, you know, virtual reality uh, copies of yourself. Yeah, I was trying to think of, I, I'm, sh I'm sure there must be something, but I, I wasn't really able to, th you know, there was this book, um, 
the golden age by John C. Wright that I read where the guy, he loses his, you know, he has this like great like VR package and he loses it. And then suddenly he's like, you know, being attacked by um, pop-up ads, like they're <laughs> just everywhere because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he doesn't have his defenses anymore. That's the first thing that's coming to mind in, in comparison. But yeah, like, I, I mean, I heard Greg Daniels say that, um, you know, that his, like one of his, I, I think kind of what inspired this is one of his kids came, was playing some game where you're like, you're like taking care of penguins in a igloo or something. And his kid says, Hey, can I buy this thing for this TV for $1.99? And he's like, what, what is this? And the kid's like, he's like, does, what does it do? He's like, no, it's just like a TV for your penguin to watch in this, <laughs> in this game, you know? And he's like, you're, you're paying like money for this, you know? And, um, but yeah, I mean, but, but so do you, does everyone think that, that this, that, that it, say, say this technology is possible and is invented in our lifetimes, Will it be this kind of like we're being nickeled and dimed kind of thing? Or uh, do you think that um, there's any hope that uh, it'll be a better experience than than this uh, show uh, hmm. depicts? Uh, yeah, not well, a chance. I, <laughs> yeah, like, like um, I mean, you know, all all the major servers, like the these consciousnesses are going to require huge amounts of data. Um, you know, I, I just think... <sighs> big tech owns very big companies own these data farms in the future. That'll be the case. I mean, someone's going to have to guard it all. Someone's going to have to pay for the energy it uses. Um, it'll be big companies. Yeah. So I, I have sort of two minds about it. On, on the one hand, I, I think that the nickel and diming def- definitely would happen. Um, uh, and could potentially even be, be even worse. Like I could imagine like them having a thing where like, you know, you can eat all you want at this little buffet, but then you actually have to pay a premium fee to not have your avatar sort of gain weight. Um, which, you know, like given that they can make your avatar look like whatever you want, it's like, it's stupid of course, but it's like, that is the sort of thing that it feels like they would take advantage of because they know you might want to like have your avatar look a certain way. Um, and and so there's that, but then on the other side, like uh, like Abby was saying, it's like somebody's gonna have to pay for all this data and storage and 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 you know protection and everything. And so if there was a way that um, the companies that owned all of this technology could uh, leverage the the people that were inside, as opposed to like an upload where they're not allowed to work because of uh, you know they don't want the whole workforce to you know to nobody nobody in the real world to have any chance of getting a job. Um, if you could somehow utilize uh the people that are actually in the virtual reality to help offset the costs then maybe they wouldn't have to be as nickel and diming but uh i don't know what that looks like though well it's kind of interesting is that you know because like right now we you know we know that we're going to die someday and then this sort of technology seems to offer up the prospects like no you could live forever but then it's like well wait if you have to pay for it then eventually your real world resources are going to run out and then they're going to delete your Right. account and then you're gonna die. so it's like you would still be in the like afterlife but you still know that you're gonna die someday it's just you know depends on you know how, how long your family your descendants or whatever you know whoever cares about you in the real right. world is willing to keep paying for it so it just like it becomes like another life where death is a yeah. constant reality 
uh, rather yeah. than escaping from it. Yeah, like your heirs get a, a message uh, that says, like, you know, oh, this account hasn't been accessed in 37 years. Uh, we're going to be deleting it if you don't take action before this <laughs> thing, oh, no. you know. <laughs> and, and, and then, you know, this heir that doesn't, maybe didn't even ever meet you, only had ever heard about you vaguely, and it's <laughs> like, has to make a decision. They're like, uh, well, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it. They keep putting it off, and then eventually it's like they realize, like, oh, shit, I meant to renew that thing so that a uh, great uncle. <laughs> Dave could uh, keep living on in virtual reality, but I, ah, fuck, I forgot. Uh, and then, you know. Well, that means that the old yeah. people are going to have to connect with the living people right. constantly. Yeah. Like, it'll be like this desperate, like, I, I still love you, great, 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 great grandniece, I love you so much. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> this kind of, though, is making me flash back to, like, the essential idea around, um, did you, uh, you know, the Day of the Dead, like, uh, it makes me think of Coco as we're saying this, right? Like, you're only remembered by, you can only stay in that kind of in-between space if you're remembered by people. Um, so that, I mean, there's just like these, they're interesting resonances to things that we already believe and do that are, are fascinating. But I wanted to jump in and say, just for fun, um, the humor side of things, if, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen these, but there's this uh, group of um, uh uh, YouTubers uh, that pop up on Facebook all the time called Viva La Dirt League, which hmm. make fun of in-game uh, video games, MMORPGs, and just the silly mechanics of that, but done with live action people playing them. Um, and it's a lot of the same kind of exploring the logic of gaming, the logic of, of in-game uh, actions, um, and just kind of parodying them. So if uh, some of the humor of this show uh, got it, you know, got you to laugh. Um, I have these like fe- similar vibe feelings around Viva Dirt League. Um, and if you get a chance, go check them out. They're really funny. Cool. Yeah, cool. I actually, I just remembered uh, one of my notes here is that, so it's, it's interesting that, that Nora we thought was the best actress mm-hmm. uh, in this, because I think she doesn't have a lot of acting experience. She's actually a musician um, primarily. And she actually was like touring and writing songs with Prince. Hmm. Uh, so, you know, pretty serious, you know, you know, musical talent. Um, and then obviously really good actress as well. And actually I, I wish I had written this down, but I was reading the, um, Wikipedia entry for, um, David, the David choke, uh, uh-huh. what's his name? Um, you know, but this, the cigarette smoking guy, uh, William B Davis. And so actually one thing that was funny was that, um, Greg Daniels said that, when he imagined this character, he said like, Oh, I want it to be like somebody like the cigarette smoking man, William B. Davis, Hmm. you know? And then they were like looking around to what actors are in Vancouver that they could cast. And they're like, Oh, actually he lives in Vancouver. And so they just cast him. (laughs) Um, But then also in his Wikipedia entry, it said he's like a big like environmental activist. And also he was like a champion water skier or something Hmm. like that. I should check that. But um, you know, all these people are like, have like interesting stuff if you look through their, uh, you know, Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to just like being actors, you know. Um. All right. Cool. So I think uh, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about upload. Um. So why don't we uh, start wrapping things up? So how about uh, John? Any uh, final thoughts on this whole experience of hmm. watching upload? Yeah. I mean, I just I would give it a too big enthusiastic thumbs up. Uh, I mean, I, I really dug it. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, 
I think uh, you, if you're going to watch it, you you might want to block out a you know a couple of days because you're going to probably want to binge the whole thing. Uh, uh, fortunately, there's only ten episodes, uh, and uh, it, it'll be a lot easier if you get in now before the second season because then by the time the second season comes out, there's going to be twenty episodes. So then so then you're like losing a whole week to to, to binge in it. So you might as well binge the first ten episodes now, get out of the way, and uh, no, but I mean it's it's a great show. Um, and uh, I think uh, half-hour shows that are really good and entertaining as this are few and far between. Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I always like to have some half-hour shows mixed into my rotation so that, like, you know, we want to watch one more show but don't want to watch a whole hour show. You got your half-hour shows, you know. They're gold. And anyway, <laughs> this is this is one of the really good ones. So, yeah, definitely watch it. And, like, yeah, from a science fiction point of view, it, it's, it's very satisfying as science fiction, uh, which uh, is not always the case on television. So, um, although certainly more and more these days. But, yeah, check it out. All right, cool. Abby, final thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I've just got to agree with all of that. Um, if you like Rick and Morty, I think this might appeal to you. Uh, mm. <laughs> I guess that's not a guarantee, but... Um, it has kind of, I think, a similar humor, but live action. Um, and yeah, I mean, I really had trouble not binging it. It was great. Uh, Toby, final thoughts. This is a really fun show with some larger than life characters that take a turn towards being fully realized and warm uh, that you really end up rooting for. Um, with, as we've said, some standout performances, uh, particularly by Nora, the, actress who plays Nora, whose name is escaping me. Um, and it is surprisingly really well thought out science fiction as well. So it's just a uh, pleasure on like a lot of different axes that, that was fun to watch. Yeah. And actually the actress's name is Andy Allo, uh, just for the record. Um, yeah. yeah again, fantastic. She's, she's ter- terrific. Um, and so, uh, so yeah, I mean, and, and like I said, like, I, I just thought it was like, okay for the first couple episodes. So if you start watching it and you're like, ah, this is just okay. Uh, I think it gets better and better as it goes. And like I said, by episode five or so, I was really, really into it. And it's, it's, it's really funny. I was like laughing out loud. Um, you know, especially as, uh, as we got later into the season, just all the time. So, uh, if you want like, like some uh, science fiction comedy, definitely check it out. Upload. Um, and definitely looking forward to season two. I, again, I'm a little apprehensive that it's going to get too like techno thrillery and it's going to seem like a different show, but, uh, I'm definitely, you know, hoping I'm going to enjoy it as much as, uh, as much as I enjoyed season one. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Um, but yes, yeah, so why don't we uh, wrap things up there? So we've been speaking with John Joseph Adams, Tobias Espichel and Abby Goldsmith. So thanks everyone so much for joining us. Always good to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And that was our panel. So big thanks again to John Joseph Adams, Tobias S. Bacall, and to Abby Goldsmith for joining us on the show. And remember that Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is made possible thanks to support from listeners like you. So if you enjoy the show and want it to continue, please sign up to give us a dollar or two per episode over at patreon.com slash geeks. And if you'd rather make a one-time contribution, you can do that via check or PayPal over at geeksguideshow.com slash crowdfunding. So big thanks again to everyone who's contributed. We really appreciate it. All right, so that was our show. So thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time. The Geek's Guide to the Galaxy is a production of Wired.com. For more information about the show, visit geeksguideshow.com. To learn more about your host, visit davidbarkirtley.com. Music and voiceover produced by yours truly, Jack Kincaid. 
If you enjoyed this program, tell your friends. If you didn't enjoy it, tell no one. Thank you for listening.